We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call them now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can listen to archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, Good morning, to see you Scott. All. Scott. Uh, your financial well-being. Financial well-being. So last week we talked about the financial well-being and uh, an individual's financial well-being right. and the and the uh, financial well-being score right and the the background and i had I had feedback from people that had listened and heard the show yeah. uh, on two fronts. One was there's a, there was a lot of information about the financial well-being, and I kind of lost part of it. Can, right. uh, if, if there's if you guys can talk about it again, that would be great. And they the second can go part, online. <laughs> that's right. They that's could. right. Listen just, to the show, and uh, that's true. They can re-listen to it exactly. Yeah. And uh, the second part was I actually had a couple of clients that heard the program who said, "Hey." What's our financial well-being score? So they wow. wanted to know their own score and how they were doing. So isn't it funny how you put a number to it or a symbol of some sort, then all of a sudden it connects? It's a with measurement, people. and yeah. the good, and the other point. interesting and the other interesting part of it, which I think resonates too, is that we're all kind of curious as how we're doing relative to other people, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, you know, the Joneses, and, and, and particularly and within our own age band, yeah. kind of, yeah. or our own demographic, to yeah. try and understand, you know, what are we ahead or behind? Are we on track? And it just kind of for our own well-being, we yeah. kind of want to know <laughs> how we're doing. Are we keeping yeah. up with the Joneses, right? And how often do you get asked that question, actually, Andy? It says, yeah. How am I doing, like, you know, compared to other people my own age? Yeah. Exactly. And, and I get that question all the time. And, you know, generally speaking, I say, you know what? We, we deal with people that are doing actually okay. Yeah. So the average person, we generally don't see average. Right, right. Because quite often, you know, as you know, we If you're interested paper. in this, you're, you're yes, doing well. Yes, they're doing better yes. because they are yeah. dealing with a financial planner yeah. that quite often has got them to way better than average yeah. in the first place. They're ahead of the yes. game, yeah. right. So the financial well-being report, which we produce for clients, and uh, and I think as as I talk more and we talk more and more about this, and as a company we talk more and more about this, I think when we look at what our competitors are doing, I think there's going to people are going to start to see a real gap in terms of understanding the value that they're getting from their financial planner. Mm-hmm. And to sort of put that into perspective, I think um, we talked about alpha beta and gamma last right. time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where sometimes a little bit of confusion around this well-being score and how they're connected. So the well, the financial well-being score is more connected to the gamma part of this equation. But alpha is, when you think about your investments, the alpha is how much is your return over and above the average mm-hmm. or is it below the average? Right. So you could have negative alpha and positive alpha. And the simple example is if you're earning 5%, if the sorry, if you have a moderate risk portfolio, medium risk portfolio, 5% was the average return or benchmark for that type of portfolio. If you're getting 5.5% right. or you're getting 6%, then you've got positive alpha. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have neg- if you have 4.5%, then you have negative alpha on mm-hmm. your portfolio. So alpha is just simply a measurement of how well you're doing above or below a benchmark. Right. And um, obviously, you want your investment team and investment managers uh, to be able to give you some form of alpha, a little bit of alpha. The second part is beta, and beta is about volatility. So how much is your, to get that rate of return, how much did you have to endure in terms of the ups and downs, right? How volatile was it? Mm -hmm. And, And volatility is is 
helps us in terms of our own peace of mind or sleep at night factor. So Mm -hmm. you don't want something to be too volatile because you might make bad decisions when you're thinking about it just because of the emotional, uh, the emotional sort of pressure when you, particularly when you see things going down. Mm -hmm. And uh, so alpha and beta are all about your investments. But when you actually look at how well someone does financially overall, their financial well-being, it's part. It's the gamma part that actually that produces the most results in right. terms of the uh, your your overall financial health and financial well-being. Mm-hmm. So the financial well-being score and the financial well-being report is is a tool that we're using to help identify can a can a household meet its financial needs. And the financial well-being report will look at six different components. It'll look at uh, optimizing your retirement, planning for major expenditures, preparing for the unexpected. Uh, four is sharing your wealth. So this would be like an estate uh, as you think about give, giving, mm-hmm. transferring, uh, or creating a legacy. And then managing your uh, cash flow effect efficiently. So those are the six components. And you can end up with a score between zero and 100. Mm -hmm. So the purpose is to be able to use, and there's some, the key drivers, the overall score that you're going to get is it's weighted, uh, it's weighted based on the average of your category scores, the six categories, but there is a higher weighting to optimizing your retirement. Mm -hmm. Because when you think about it, we're all we're all marching towards some kind of retirement, form of retirement at right. some point. So that's always key on everybody's mind as a long-term goal. And it has to be a key component of what Don and I do all the time. And then the next thing would be your client life stage. The goals that you have that you're focusing on will drive the waiting and preparing for the unexpected and planning for major expenditure categories, those weightings will depend on the size or the type of of goal that you have in each of those areas. So you can end up with a score from zero to a hundred. And we also look at age bands. So as you're trying to compare sort of what you're doing compared to other people, Mm -hmm. we basically look at under 35 as a a category. And then we go in five uh, year increments, so 35 to 40 for all the way up to 65. Mm-hmm. And then we have 65 plus. Right. So if you're 65 plus, we're going to sort of put you into a retired category, mm-hmm. generally not working or earning income, but that's going to, we'll be able to compare you to other people in that category. Right. So we have age bands. And then we look at that score. If, you're, if, you're, if your uh, financial well-being score is under 40, it would be considered red. So that means there's a lot of a lot of room for improvement right. relative to what you're doing, uh, just in terms of your own goals, but also relative to other people. Mm-hmm. If you're in between 40 and 70, you're yellow, which typically means you've got, probably have some things that are green that are doing well, mm-hmm. and you might have some red, uh, but overall your score right. is yellow. And then if you're over 70 on your score, you're green, which typically means you've got everything kind of in place, but there's still some, maybe some opportunities to tweak things or right. improve upon what you're doing. And so last week we talked about somebody who had a score of 90 and what they looked like and how they were doing. And so I decided this year, this week, I would reflect on somebody who had a poor score. Right. So I pulled up somebody. And 90 the, considered a great score. 90 would be a great yeah, score. So yeah. you're green. You've got all, all things are ticking. And this is uh, hypothetical because you've never met anybody with a poor score before. <laughs> <laughs> I have somebody with a poor score. <laughs> oh, okay. Here they are. Okay. And uh, I had... Um, when I looked through all my clientele, I had two reds under 40. And uh, so this one was a score of 35. Mm-hmm. 
And this particular uh, gentleman, husband and wife, they're in their, uh, so they're between 60 and 65 in right. terms of their age band. You know, all the listeners are going, do you think he means me? They, uh, <laughs> Honey, is he talking about us? Deni- denial is actually, <laughs> exactly. that wouldn't be us or I hope it's not us. <laughs> so I needed to pull apart why, why were they red and why did they have a, a 35 as an overall score? So the way it broke down was they're uh, optimizing their retirement was a score of 65, which is actually yellow, mm-hmm. right? So we kind of fall into that. And when we, when the our system analyzed their retirement, their goal was to have about 9,000 a month in terms mm-hmm. of income. That was their objective. Uh, right now, what we're looking at is they're only at about 78% of that target. Mm-hmm. So they're below their own objective in terms of their monthly income. And what they will for, need after What they will need. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily what they will need, but what they want, yeah, right? Yeah. This is what they wanted um, and they're behind. So right. they definitely get a lower score. And because optimizing your retirement is overweighted in this whole process, right. it sort of helped them a bit. Um, in terms of planning for major expenditures, uh, they had no score there. So that was a zero. In terms of preparing for the unexpected, which would be insurance protection, uh, the what if, emergency fund, that type Mm -hmm. of thing, they got a score of 25. Sharing their wealth was also only 25, meaning that in terms of leaving a legacy or an inheritance, the chances were, again, because they don't have enough to live on the lifestyle they want, they're probably going to use it up. So Mm -hmm. there wouldn't be much left over. And in terms of managing cash flow effectively, uh, they got zero. And so when I drill down to what's going on here, the, the truth is, is that this is a non-engaged client. Mm-hmm. And and that's an important factor because mm-hmm. this will happen in our own practices where we'll have a client. And this has been a client that's been around for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. But I would say in the last 10 years, what's happened is, is that when I call or we try and meet to review their plan or get together to review their taxes, there's always an excuse. Oh, yeah. And so they become disengaged in the whole process. Right. And as a result, we have a very poor plan. Mm-hmm. It's not an accurate plan because it's not up to date because we haven't been allowed to update and mm-hmm. fulfill, infill all the background information that we need in terms mm-hmm. of their own situation. So um, the bottom line in a poor score is often what I'm, I'm finding out is going to be somebody who has, uh, we don't have the complete picture. Right. And they become less engaged. And at some point, they're either going to have to make a decision, do they continue on Mm -hmm. with our services, or is it better for them to look at another advisor? Yeah. Okay. And so um, the financial well-being score of 35, so that creates a new conversation for us. We can either say, listen, here's where we are in terms Mm -hmm. of your overall financial well-being, 35, you're failing at this. I don't know if you're failing because until we do a complete assessment of where you are and bring everything up to date, I don't believe this is a true score. So really what you need is a meeting. What we need is a meeting and I don't think it's going to happen based on the last 10 years. So then I looked at one that was uh, a 50, a score of 50. And in this case, um, they were uh, n- they got 90 out of 100 in terms of optimizing their retirement. And um, in this case, they had 55 uh, out of 100 for preparing for the unexpected. So they have some insurance protection in place. They have an emergency fund that they had started. Sharing their wealth was only 25% because this couple was going to be using up their money over time. And uh, they were doing well in terms of meeting their retirement objectives, but um, they just simply weren't going to have enough to leave right. anything uh, anything of significance to their children as well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And they, uh, in terms of managing cash flow efficiently, they had zero, which meant that um, they still had a significant amount of debt and that that debt, the percentage of their payments going towards debt right now is higher than the average. Mm -hmm. So that brought them down because that just limits their capacity to look at other opportunities in terms of their own retirement plan. And this group, this particular couple is uh, between 50 and 55. Mm -hmm. So so there's some opportunities that we can talk about with them to help uh, improve that score and uh, really overall increase their financial well-being. And that would be the objective. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And don't forget about the website, andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick, a quick break here. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're talking about retirement planning for women. Is it different? It's very different. In fact, uh, the listeners, if uh, our majority say over 45 in this uh probably listening to this show right now, and mm-hmm. probably more women are listening to this show than men. Yeah, really? Life expectancy yeah. is a little longer. Mm-hmm. And so right off the bat, you know, women have to worry about things a little differently than men. Um, life expectancy is one of the clues right there. Mm-hmm. They, we've all known and heard that they live longer. Yeah. Well, the average life expectancy for a man, if they make 65, mm-hmm. is 84. Mm-hmm. Average for a woman is at least 87, if not 88. So it's a three to four years difference. Mm. Um, and so now it's getting closer together in certain age groups uh, because maybe the workplace habits and stuff, stress. Right. So there was smoking kind of brought them back closer together. Mm-hmm. So it keeps going. But generally speaking, it's at least three years all the time. So right away, you need to spend more time planning your retirement because you're living longer. Yeah. So that's the obvious one. What I didn't think about is wage parity. So quite a lot of time over right. the years... Mm. And it's a lot closer now for the young kids mm-hmm. coming out of university. In fact, it's almost identical. Yeah. So they've made it to all the progress in the world there. But that doesn't help the ones that are now retiring that didn't have that wage parity mm-hmm. throughout all their years. All right, good point. And so generally speaking, they work a little less. I mean, they work, they make a little less, but they also work less quite often because when they do have kids or families, mm-hmm. they're usually the ones that stay home. Right. So they have less time collecting. Right. And then that also affects their Canada Pension Plan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a little bit w- less work time. And if they do retire, quite often they want to retire when their husband retires. Right. And That's often a little earlier. That's often even earlier, say yeah. 65. And, and there's often even a one-year or two-year age difference in marriage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're a year di- old, uh, younger then they've also retired a year younger right. and they live longer. Right, okay. right, yeah, yeah. So these things all add up. Um, and so the part-time work, they earn less, they live longer. Then with this longer life expectancy, that adds to the medical costs. Mm-hmm. So at the end game, they're, they're adding more medical costs. And it's interesting, dementia affects one in every five women hmm. and one in every 10 men. Really? Yeah. So a lot more people are suffering from dementia that being said, probably because they're living longer. Yeah. If men lived as long, probably the stats would oh, be the same. Oh, Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but potentially could be the case. 
Um, but they didn't go into that details in there. So, and then when you look at people over 85, 50% of people over 85 are suffering from dementia. Hmm. And so one of the first things that goes, <laughs> interesting enough, is learning, is managing money. They start losing the ability to manage money properly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They start spending more. Um, quite often, they uh, a charity may call mm-hmm. call up, and they'll just keep donating a whole lot of money to charities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you always hear taking advantage of that widow. Yeah, it's kind of that way, way back uh, kind of thing. Well, the bottom line is they they're often alone, and they they may be starting to lose some of their you know, their mental capacity. Yeah. So then it co- starts costing them money there. Um. And things such as uh, managing money is an early indicator of dementia. And there's a whole lot of other ones. But at the very onset, you, sh- you should have already had a power of attorney anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, wills um, should have already been done. But certainly, if you see your mother or father indicating some of these things, that doesn't seem right. You should mm-hmm. be asking about that. Yeah. And for that matter, we always, like Andy and I always talk about it's, it, we love sitting in the meetings with you know, the, the son, daughter, or the power yeah. of attorney in the meeting. And that's a great idea because it acts as a buffer, right? Absolutely. Things that you may say to the family, vice versa, totally different if it's coming from a professional. Right. And if that son or daughter is in the meeting and they, they, they'll ask different questions. Mm-hmm. And they're great questions, but mm-hmm. there is also this sense of relief from the kids. Mm-hmm. Because I said, well, you know, the that financial planner, he's been talking to my mother and... and they start knowing that I wonder, I hope it all went well. Mm-hmm. You know, he or sh- she in this case is not as sharp as she used to be. Yeah. So there maybe is that concern. They should be in the meeting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and your financial planner should be asking about that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, this always goes back to uh, having your certified financial planning designation. Mm-hmm. I know Andy and I say that is like a, the first step. You should always have that. And if they don't have your CFP, because you're always looking at the best interest of your clients. And that's one way, just showing you have those credentials behind you. So other signs of uh, dementia are your bills start to go unpaid. Mm-hmm. Notice that. That yeah. also, you know, socially start getting withdrawn. They mm-hmm. say, ah, you know what? I really don't want to do that. I said, that doesn't sound like mom. Yeah. Um, their dressing isn't quite as good. Mm. Okay. They start, the so shoes don't match the blouse or whatever yeah. the case is, yeah. or their makeup's not as good. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So these all are good, are signs. It doesn't mean they're not mentally capable of doing the things, but that's when you've got to make sure that power of attorney, Mm -hmm. if not before that, Mm -hmm. because once it gets past a certain stage, they're no longer legal to have any signatures. They don't have the capacity to do that. And the the lawyer will notice that and won't allow it. So in terms of longevity, quite often we talk about Canada pension plan. When should you start it? I I, I love taking the spectator and just taking a random day and saying, what what did the average ages of that, of those people? So I just happened to take Tuesday. You're reading the obituary yeah, columns now, aren't you, Don? It's more of a stat. It's <laughs> yeah. more, and actually, I do read it because I, I see want that's to... interesting because I find a lot of people as they get older will start reading the obituaries. But you're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it strictly for research purposes. This, this is this is also I want <laughs> to see my cup clients. of tea and his biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so on 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 June fourth, fifteen people passed away. Uh huh. Okay. I, two of those fifteen, both male interesting enough, didn't make 60. Mm, wow. Okay, two of them. So now you're down to 13 that hit retirement, so to speak. Yeah. And there's always that thing, should you have started your CPP early or not? Well, between 60 and 65, no one died. Mm-hmm. Okay, in this particular day. And that's fairly common. I love doing, I do this maybe once a month, and this is the norm. 60 is 65, one person died. Mm-hmm. It was a male. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
70 to 75, two more died, and it was uh, two other males. So based on this, you can see what I'm yeah. getting about, about women. They're yeah. living longer. Yeah. So of those three of 13, or 23% of the deaths were before 75, and they're male. 100% male. All male. So then you get into the 75 to 80. You got one female, one male. Okay. Nobody died between 80 and 85. 85 to 90, two females, one male. Mm. Okay. But here's an interesting one. 90 to 95. You're getting out there now, up there now. Yeah. Four females died. Mm. Living longer. Nobody died at 90 to 95, 95 to 100. And one more female died at 102. Okay. <laughs> Good for her. So this is an interesting, it was literally out of 15 people, seven were male, eight were female. And by far, if you look at the numbers, predominantly the male, the females live longer in this day. And, and again, the stats don't lie. I know it says three years difference, um, but a lot of the cases, the males didn't make 60 to get their CPP in the first place. Yeah. So um, if you look at that, uh, generally speaking, you're, they say three years difference. Well, if you're in retirement, 65 to 84 is what a male should live to. Well, if a lady lives to 87, that's three years longer. That's 16% longer retirement. Mm -hmm. So in a percentage terms, they're living three more years. Yeah. But that, as part of it, if you look at the retirement as how, how long is that retired, that's almost you know, 16%. Right. And then they retire quite often earlier because they may have married somebody a year or two older and they retire earlier too. And they made less money. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of things stacked up against them. And this is where you have to sit down with your financial planner and work this all out. Um, in, the, in the US, same, similar kind of stats, uh, women were making 18% less than men in terms of income. That's 706 per week versus 860 per week. And that adds up to about a $600 per month difference. So if you just took that difference from men and women, and you say, you know what? I'm going to give 25% to tax and I'm going to invest the extra 450. That's what men could invest, that extra 450. And if they're disciplined over 20 years and just simply put that 450, the difference from a male and a female's income, they'd end up with $208,000 at 6%. <laughs> wow. So here they are retiring and they have way more, way more money yeah. because of simply the wage difference. Mm -hmm. And again, I know it shows the discipline, and, that, and I'm just trying to make a, make a point here, everything adds up. Yeah. So there's so many things that stack up from a, from a female standpoint that it makes it more difficult. And so looking at, you know, I've gone to a few uh, senior homes, if you will, and by far it's, it's predominantly f yeah. females. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In fact, uh, the fact that I was walking in there with a male uh, was wasn't a female I was visiting. Yeah. They were all turning their heads. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I will be very popular with the ninety crowd. I can feel it. <laughs> so, but the solution to this is a you know plan as if you are going to live to at least ninety. Stop thinking. Oh, my mother and dad lived to seventy five. Yeah, that's interesting stats, but it's not what's going on now. Yeah. People are living longer. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're going to live longer, why stop working? I just came back from a conference in Washington and somebody that was at the museum, he was volunteering there. And I started chatting with, he knew everything about World War I planes, World War II planes, to the Concords, mm. all the way to the space shuttle. He knew, it was amazing. Uh, he said, don't Google anything. Yeah. I'm a brainiac in this stuff. Right. He's 74 years old. I said, so how long have you been doing that? Oh no, this is just fun. I, I got a real job. Wow. And he's working full time, still at 74, passionate. Yeah. about 
um, air, aircrafts and helicopters, yeah. etc. And he's still working on the president's plane and helicopter. Oh, wow. Um, and he used to be a, an admiral and, mm -hmm. and he used to fly. Mm -hmm. So here he is. Just, it was, you know, it was very refreshing to see somebody that age. Mm -hmm. And again, there is something called ageism where people may not want to hire you because of your age. All you have to do is listen to the wisdom this yeah, person had and yeah. the passion. Mm -hmm. you wouldn't ha you'd have a tough time replacing this guy. Yeah. But at the same token, he's having a ball. Yeah. Why quit if you're enjoying it yeah. and continue? And he's still making money. Mm -hmm. And I said, so what are you doing this for? And he just joked, well, I hear there was free drinks here. <laughs> <laughs> but for him, it's also social. Sure. And he's just sharing this. Yeah. So if you're going to live longer, you know, this whole 65, why? Or 55 or 62. It's actually been going up in Canada. I think it's actually up to 63 or 64 now. Who put that number out there? Mm. Okay. Um, That's a leftover from the Freedom 55 generation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think it is. <laughs> absolutely. Because remember when, uh, way back when, Harper was talking about raising the, uh, the age for... Um, uh, old age security, old age security yeah, to 67. 67. And a lot of people, it, it's sort of interesting because a lot of people, oh, geez, that's, you know, that's not right. That doesn't seem like we're moving forward. And uh, there was in the other camp that said, well, yeah, I'm not going to retire exactly. anyway. So what difference does it make? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So are you actually finding people, because for a while there, the retirement age was decreasing. Is it, yes. is it coming back up now as a result of longevity? Um, longevity, yeah, there, I, I'd say that's part of it. Um, part of it there because you can't be retired longer than you were working in in multiple cases and have that and be able to to live it's hard to plan for a 30-year retirement yeah so yeah. if you work an extra year you've just you've just shortened your retirement years right and again that retirement is in quotations doesn't mean you're not taking eight weeks off yeah yeah and enjoying doing something else it doesn't mean you're like slagging away like you were when you're 25 <laughs> exactly yeah. and then yeah. it may be a different job yeah but what, yeah, it might be a second career you yeah. may have retired from one and started another mm -hmm. and that's exactly what i'm going to get talking about now when you're talking about second career <laughs> Make sure you're just passionate about it. Quite often people are financially independent. They don't need the money, mm -hmm. but they need to have something that is they're passionate about. Yeah. And still, why, why waste all that? A purpose, yeah. getting up with a purpose every morning. So again, mm -hmm. some of the key things here is, you know, don't, don't ditch those benefits. If you got medical benefits and stuff like mm -hmm. that, it's, you know, it's, those are nice perks. Mm -hmm. So if you've left your first place of employment, you may be able to buy um, benefits on an on a, on a individual basis, or there's some group plans you can buy. Um, set up a contingency fund because if you are starting a new business, you know, it's nice to have some cash put aside and in some place because you're, it may take a while just to build the business and get it going again. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pay the tax man. This is important. This is like, this one here is a bit of a shock for a lot of people that go self-employed once they retire. They've never, they've always had tax, tax taken off their pay. Mm -hmm. Well, all of a sudden they got to put some money aside. Right. And it's like, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I forgot to do that. And yeah. next thing you know, ding, 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 the government's done knocking on their door. Um, keep all those business receipts because you are now taxed. A lot of those expenses you didn't get to claim as employee are now tax deductible. Your lifestyle. This is an interesting one. Depending on your situation and talk to your financial planner about this. Should you increase your lifestyle mm -hmm. or decrease your lifestyle? Mm -hmm. I'm actually about 50-50 with my clients. A lot of them are saying, hey, you stop under living. Mm -hmm. Time yes. to maximize your fun here. Yes. Yeah. And others I'm, I'm saying, ooh, better watch that a bit. Um, no cruise this year. Yeah, you're, you know, I hope you live and don't plan on living that long. Mm. And sometimes that's compounded by an experience. So somebody might be in their 60s and, and, a, and a close friend died yeah. at 65 yeah. or yeah. a close friend died, you know, at 70 just after retiring or something. So there's always that, yeah. geez, maybe we should spend more now or mm -hmm. retire now because 
I could be dead. You know, there's always, yeah, and it's yeah. true, but it, uh, and that will always sit in the back of people's mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, and it's, it's an anchoring point. Yeah. You know, people anchor to a circumstance and then they change their own behavior because of that, mm-hmm. even though it has nothing to do with their life. Right. So they may have seen somebody, uh, early death at a funeral, and then all of a sudden, that's it. I'm going to retire sooner. Meanwhile, their parents lived to 100, and uh, it had yes. nothing to do with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so consider all your options. But at the end of the day, you go around once, so make sure you enjoy it to the fullest. And again, as a woman, you should plan to live longer. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you are married, look at the spending of the male saying, hey, listen, I'm, I'm probably going to live a few more <laughs> extra years. Yeah. Um, I, it's great that we're having fun together, but in your, when you go, that old age security goes with you. Yeah. And most of your Canada Pension Plan, because maybe you had a job and you're not going to get very much Canada Pension Plan either. In fact, you might even get old age security clawback mm-hmm. because you can't split your incomes anymore. Mm. So there's the whole idea. Look, to, to, if you're female, for sure, I would definitely look at 65, to, un, unless there's a health concern. You should defer your Canada pension plan to at least 65, Mm -hmm. sometimes longer. Again, talk to your financial planner. Inflation. If you're going to live longer, that that inflation really uh, hits you a little harder. Yeah. Okay. So basically those prices, if you had a $3,000 a month expense now, that will be $6,000 a month by the time you hit 90. Yeah. So make sure you have inflation in there. And also don't be shy to claim the disability tax credit. Okay, um, it's one of those things that I think we're all proud, but at the same time, why, you know, there's a 18, a couple thousand dollars a year that should be in your pocket because you've paid into these all the time. Mm-hmm. It's a social benefit and you should qualify for that. So anyway, different different kind of things that you should be looking at for as a woman in, in longevity, income, and a whole slew of things I just spoke about. Talk to your financial planner. Make sure that those are being looked after. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, 905-529-7165. Leave a message. They'll return your call. And check out their website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Talking about the alphabet soup of designations. What's this? <laughs> well, you, you've probably heard of CFP, mm-hmm. a certified financial uh, uh, certified financial planner. Yep, mm-hmm. certified financial planner, and uh, that is in Ontario. Sorry, to say in Canada right now, there are about sixteen thousand. 500 CFP mm-hmm. graduates uh, or designates, I guess, that mm-hmm. hold the designation and are still uh, compliant in terms of ongoing continuing education, etc. Anyway, I pulled out my business card. So I'm, I have a CFP uh, and uh, I think Don and I did ours at the exact same time. Like we were, I think we were right about the exam t- yeah, together. Yeah, <laughs> it's a few, it was a few years ago, but um, uh, the designation requires us to have 30 hours of ongoing continuing education every year. Every year. Every year. Yeah. So it's, it's even though we did this many years ago, obviously mm-hmm. we're up to date in terms of current tax law and everything else. Mm-hmm. But I also looked at my, on my card, I have uh, another designation called EPC. EPC stands for Elder Planning Counselor. Hmm. So in order to attain that designation, I spent uh, two days, so two eight-hour days in a sort of intensive course Mm -hmm. that was all focused on issues around elder planning 
and that would be anybody sort of over the age of 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that course well, Andy. I was yeah. with you on that one there too. There you go. So another one. <laughs> so EPC. Uh, and then there's another designation, uh, have CPCA, which is a Certified Professional Consultant on Aging, mm-hmm. which is really, again, another course in the exact same thing, sort of a two-day course where- So you're an you're, expert on old people. I'm an expert on old people. <laughs> and we're, gonna, we're all living longer, so yeah. this is a good thing. And, um, and then the final one is an RRC, Registered Retirement Consultant. And, uh, and Don, I think you've got another one, CLU, Chartered Life Underwriter, uh, which is an excellent designation as well. That was more of a course of ongoing study. Mm-hmm. So some of, these, uh, some of these designations are kind of quick and dirty. You can get in and out with mm-hmm. um, you know maybe 10 hours of study, 20 hours of study. And others are over a longer period of time where yeah. it takes several years and then you have to article basically mm-hmm. to be able to use the designation and a requirement for ongoing continuing education. And that would Some be of the CFP for the sure. The CFP for sure. Like my EPC, Elder Planning Counselor, um, as long as I pay them $150 every year now, I can maintain that designation right. having gone through the course. So, you know, am I keeping up to date on all the Elder Planning Counselor information? Uh, yes, because I'm active in the business and Mm-hmm. And, and meeting with people in that age group all the time. Uh, but a lot of times people do have designations and you wonder, are they still really valid? Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, the Ontario government, uh, I just read over on the weekend, the Ontario government, and this was an, uh, an article by um, Claire O'Hara, Wealth Management, in terms of Ontario government and regulatory authority developing final rules for financial planner and financial advisor regulation. Mm. And so this is a long time coming. And I have to give my hats off to Quebec because Quebec has had its own rules where you cannot call yourself a financial planner unless you have a CFP. Right. Now, in Ontario, they haven't decided that CFP is going to be the designate uh criteria to be able to call yourself a financial planner. But uh, the legislation is definitely, it was passed. It was Bill 100. It received royal assent last week, and it requires anyone in Ontario who wants to use the title of financial planner or financial advisor uh, must have appropriate credentials and remain in good standing. And Typically, when we when they when what the Ontario government looked at is that in general, financial advisors typically help clients manage their investments. Mm-hmm. So, if you see that title, financial advisor, uh, in my mind, it's all, and I agree with them. In my mind, one hundred percent, it's always been somebody who's advising somebody on their investments. Right. Okay, is it a stock? Is it a mutual fund? What bonds? What should I be holding? Etc. Be very little to do with insurance or anything like that right. as well. A financial planner, on the other hand, a financial planner, on the other hand, is somebody who helps clients prepare to meet a goal, such as retirement or a child's education. So I think that this is going to be key to making sure that people know who they're speaking to, mm-hmm. that they're getting uh, educated advice, at least, from somebody who's trained in the area and has continuing education in the area. So as I said, Canada has... Canada has no legislation nationally for any standards for who can offer financial planning advice. So anybody can hang a shingle out there, financial advisor, financial planner, no issues at all except in Quebec. And um, so we probably will end up using the CFP. There's no guarantee of that. As I mentioned, there's uh, 16,500 in uh, in Canada. 9,000 of them here are in Ontario. So that's pretty significant. And um, so at the end of the day, I think that it's a long time coming. 
And I think it's valuable for the consumer out there. As I say, you know, all of us end up with a bit of an alphabet soup of designations. And uh, what this is going to do is really sort of bubble up to the top, the one that's going to be most significant. Um, And it's the same thing that accounting has gone through. Yes, absolutely. So my my question is, is what took them so long? I know. You know, this, honestly, this is just Ontario. This yeah. is in Canada. So the rest of the rest of the provinces are all on their own still. Th- this has been on the chopping block for I don't know how long we've heard about this. This will be in designation. You have to have it done at least a decade now, mm-hmm. and they have got to it, which is good. They at least got to it. But there's no question when your people are talking about you know our clients' livelihoods and making unbiased advice, you have to be you have to have a designation. You got to be qualified. You got to be yeah. qualified. Yeah. And it was good. This was this is part of a uh, the, from the Ontario government perspective created what's called the Financial Professionals Title Protection Act in 2019. That was done this year, and so the Financial Professionals Title Protection Act all falls under this designation category and who can call themselves what. And uh, it's really going to help, I think, reduce the confusion for consumers, make them better informed when it comes time to getting financial planning advice. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message, 905-529-7165, and check out the website at andyanddon.com. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call them now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And take a peek at their website, andyanddon.com. We're talking about avoiding these loans at all costs. Well, you I know, know where we're going. You know where we're going with shark. this, Scott. <laughs> yes. The loan shark. The loan shark. Well, loan shark, sharking, interesting enough, you mentioned that, is Section 347 of the Criminal Code. <laughs> it's a criminal offense to charge more than 60% interest per year. Mm-hmm. Why are these payday loan companies in business? Mm. I don't get it. Because they don't call it interest. It's called a fee. Right. And so it obviously makes more sense because without exception, these payday loan companies, if you actually looked at what they're charging and you added it all up, it works to over 500% interest, 500% interest. So it makes no sense to me. Um, there's a couple of them, Money Mark Cash Money, make a habit of providing payday loans at the absolute highest allowable, effective interest rate permitted by each province. And as that being said, so do all the other payday loaners. So you're, I don't think we're seeing that whole business expanding mm-hmm. I, uh, you know you saw a little mom and pa shops coming in and out now and you don't see as many of those anymore but for british columbia for example there's simple annual interest rate on a 300 dollars loan for 14 days worked out to 599.64 percent wow. for ontario we're not far behind it works out to 548 <laughs> percent simple interest now, if you were compounding this interest, which is mind-boggling, you're actually over 14,000%. Hmm. What? On a, and I, I didn't question this article. I, I know the other one is absolutely true, so I didn't go through the actual compounding. But anything, you know what? It's already high at 500%. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's nuts. So you look at a, a, a payday loan, and let's say you take a $300 loan, and you got a 14-day term, and the cost of that is $63. Okay? That works out to... Over 500%. Yeah. If you annualize that over the course of the year. Are there times in the economy and the cycle where these places do better or don't do better? I'm sure when tightening, fiscal yeah. tightening. Times are tough. Times are tough and banks don't want to help lend. Yeah. This is where really the government should step in because yeah. even if the government can step in saying, we're going to charge you 30%, 
Um, it's a high-risk loan. They shouldn't have this option of going to a payday loan kind of company because yeah. that's only going to drive you into bankruptcy. Okay, I know that's a lot of, not a lot of money, but if you have no money, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. so $300 doesn't sound like much. So that same $300, if you took a, an advance on your credit card for two weeks, 14 days, it would cost you $3 interest at 26%. Mm. Okay. They also charge you a $5 fee for taking an advance. Yeah. So now you're up to $8 of interest on a 26% credit card advance versus $63. Mm. Mm -hmm. It's just that they, they play the game so well that nobody actually goes through the numbers. Yeah. So I'm sure the listeners out there would not even, even consider these. But you might have some kids or kids or grandkids if, if you're you know, one of the old older listeners out there and, and you heard that maybe one of your grandkids or kids have used these, make sure you get into their face somehow to warn them about the interest cost. 500% is 500%. Now there's these other ones called Mogo. I, and I went into it a, a little bit, went on the website and they also do loans. And what they do, it's kind of interesting. They compare credit card and how, you know, if you only pay the minimum on your credit card, right. the interest is so high. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it takes 25, eight years or something it, to pay them Exactly. Off. It's like a mortgage. Mm -hmm. It lasts forever. So what they do, they do a structured loan. And a structured loan is, I'm gonna, we're going to have this thing paid off in five years, and it's going to save you a lot of interest. So on surface, it looks great. Yeah. Until it works out that the interest rate they're charging is 47.7% interest. Mm. And, I, and, I, and the credit card is actually cheaper. So yeah. if you took the exact same payment and said, I'm going to make this payment over five years on my credit card, and most people would say, oh, that's not good. You know, credit cards are really high rates. These are worse. Mm -hmm. They're almost double. Mm -hmm. So, and certain, certain times you can actually get these uh, credit cards that have lower interest rates where they're, you know, charging a, an introductory yeah, rate. Yeah, for so much you know, time, yeah. 10% or 15%. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually, I said, I went onto the website and they do have loans as low as 5.9%. But those loans, would you'd have to have great credit and great financial situation to qualify for those loan rates, which in case you probably would have one at the bank anyway. Right, you wouldn't be needing it. And you wouldn't be even yeah. looking at this website. Therefore, the ones that they normally use are charging between 27, which is a credit card, or four, up to, and there's really two tiers, 45.9 or 27. So I, I dug in a little deeper and they had this little subsection called Legal stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which most of the people going for these loans probably aren't going through the legal stuff. Mm -hmm. Anyway. So you had your magnifying glass out. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And there was about nine sections in there of some detail. And there's a disclaimer right there. It says, we are not financial advisors. And we consider you getting one ma before making this, deci this decision. Wow. <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Uh, so they end up just... Going, you know, if you can help with a, a from your parents get a loan, go to a bank get a loan. But you know what? Worst case, use your credit card for an advance, and mm. it would be cheaper. Yeah. And of course, if you have any assets, but credit cards, the interest rate again is high, but not nearly as high as what we've just talked about. Um, quite often, you can go to your checking account and get an overdraft. Mm -hmm. Overdraft interest charges are about twenty-two percent, not too dissimilar to a credit card, and. Uh, you know, you could do something. It's just not buy that thing. Mm. <laughs> there you go. Don't make the purchase. Yeah. No, if, yeah. it, if it's groceries, that might be a different story. Sure. Okay. But if it's simply, I have to get those pair of shoes or the, the whatever that might be, 
um, this is going to cost you whatever the deal is. If you're using this, five hundred percent. If you wait, if you pay, it takes a year to get it. That means it costs you five times that. Yeah. Okay. So if it was a three hundred dollar item, it's now cost you fifteen hundred dollars in a year. So bottom line is, I can't say it enough. We've talked about it before, but there's this great article that pretty much reiterated what we've always talked about is look at the debt side just as carefully as you look at the asset side. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank have a great you, week. Scott. Scott.